Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Scott Simpson. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate you having me in. Before we go much further, let me tell you who's going to be coming up on some of our upcoming shows. We have John Dwyer from Dwyer Commercial next week. We have a couple of home builders, Mike Kegley from Bold Homes and John Huber and on the 7th of March, we have a really phenomenal show. We have David Doherty, the ex-CEO of Convergis, and he's going to be talking about his new venture, which is called Education at Work, which is kind of like a work-study program for college students, and he's in the customer service telesales area where his company is onshoring offshore work from companies like Cincinnati Bell, bringing uh, back the American touch to customer service, while at the same time providing employment for college students. We have two really phenomenal shows scheduled for March, and I'll invite everyone to listen to show number 100. That's with Dane Maynard on the 21st of March. Put it down on your calendar. It should be a phenomenal show. We'll have some special things in that show. Okay, Scott, why don't you tell us how your company came into being? Well, Mike, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Quick comment on David. I I encourage all listeners to tune into that. Uh, He was actually my old boss at Convergis. Uh, That's where I started out when I graduated from Xavier, had a job in corporate finance at, at Convergis. And Dave's just an outstanding leader and highly encourage everybody to tune in for that show. Have a lot of great insight from Dave and he'll be able to provide some great information and, and leadership for everyone who listens. That's well, good. So do you work with Dave on a day-to-day basis when you were back at Convergence? I was not that high up on the totem pole, but certainly through uh, the chain, going up through the finance chain. And I supported a lot of directors and VPs. And so information funneled down through him to them, and so indirectly got to got to interact with him. But just know of him and his leadership from the Convergence days, and just would look forward to hearing that show. Good, and it's interesting because the the business he's in and on onshoring call centers is just a phenomenal idea, and doing it cost effectively. Oh, absolutely agree. Uh, but appreciate the opportunity. How we, how Precision Staffing Services came to Cincinnati. It's actually quite an interesting story. Uh, my my mother Judy Simpson founded Precision Staffing Incorporated out of Lexington, Kentucky, back in 1981. 
and had seen significant success. She was the Inc. 500 fastest growing company in America in 2005 and 2006. And she contacted me in June of 2006 and asked if I wanted to come back to Lexington and work with her as the Lexington branch manager. And at the time, I had a job at Convergys in corporate finance and saw the opportunity to stay in Cincinnati as just a personal decision to just stay in Cincinnati. So we continued our conversation over the next month or so, and she provided an opportunity to open a Cincinnati office with her support if I came down for a short term to sit on her executive executive team and learn how to run an organization as opposed to just working in the organization. So I took the opportunity to move to Lexington and run the branch, saw a significant increase in sales of 55% growth in, in top-line revenue from third quarter to fourth quarter, so in just a three-month period, increase in sales by 55%. And then when we came to 2008, I started navigating the Cincinnati market to come to Cincinnati and then open our doors May 1st of 2008. Okay, so why don't you tell our audience what the nature of Precision's business is? We are a full-service staffing agency. We differentiate ourselves by focusing on finance and accounting positions, legal, general administration, uh, operationally-based positions such as marketing, HR, as well as customer service and call center positions. And while I worked at Convergys, I didn't realize how much call center work is actually in Cincinnati, but there is a significant piece of business in Cincinnati for customer service and call center operations. Mm-hmm. And so I utilize my experience from Convergys uh, to service that industry quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Approximately how many large call centers are there here in Cincinnati? I would say there's more than a dozen of them uh, between Fifth Third, U.S. Bank, Vantive, Convergys, uh, and that's just a short list and where I could keep rolling uh, with some of my sales material in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a significant piece of call center business. I know PhilTech has a large fulfillment over in the Westchester area. So customer service call center, it's a tough business, um, but if you can ex- excel in it, there's there's good opportunity. Uh, what makes it a tough business? I believe turnover within the staff. It's very difficult to take those calls day in and day out when you're dealing with 75 to 100 customers, and usually when individuals are calling customer service, they're not real happy, and so they're difficult calls to take. And you have to listen, 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 and empathize with the caller, and then provide a solution. And sometimes that's not the easiest thing to do, 365 days a year, (laughs) year in and year out. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, What kind of turnover rate do most call centers see? That's a great question. I would have to do some research to really pin pin that down. I would say 40% would be light. Certainly over the 40% mark would not surprise me. We had a class where we filled 80 individuals within a call center, five start groups in a four-week period, and we ended up with about 40% of them staying on staff. Now, each class got better and better as we recruited and learned what keys to look for in a candidate, and that makes them successful. And that's what makes our company successful, too, is that we sit down with our clients 
to identify what's important to you and what keys to being successful in this position are there so that when we're recruiting, we can identify the individuals who make up that successful makeup. What are the key characteristics that make a person successful in a call center job? Well, that's a good question, too. I would say patience is one. Attendance. It's, it, we shake our head sometimes, but the compensation that call center reps are receiving is not it's not a high rate of compensation, so attendance does come into that at $12 an hour. If you got some rain and snow and sleet on the ground, are you going to fight to get in for that $12 an hour job? Mm-hmm. So while we want to say commitment and everything of that nature is important, they need something more, a self-drive that they're going to be committed to the organization to come in and and work that position too. So are you filling call center jobs as a these people are hired by the companies, or are you filling them on a um, a temporary basis where you're doing the payroll uh, and billing the company for the people's payroll? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we call it a risk-free program, okay. uh, where we're removing an element of risk out of the position uh, for the companies. So they'll come in, work a minimum base amount of hours for on our payroll. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that hours amount, the company can hire them on for no additional fees whatsoever. So they'll be on our payroll. We absorb all of the unemployment insurance costs, workers' comp costs. We run all the payroll, handle all the taxes for them, and they get to evaluate the talent that's coming in the door before they make a full-time commitment and have to make health care uh, benefits extended. Uh, cost of benefits anymore pretty much covers our markup. So before you even get into vacation benefits and sick days and things of that nature and all those costs. And healthcare today. Yeah, it, it basically covers our markup. So you get to evaluate, and I, I like a great story that. So how many hours people typically have on your uh, guarantee whether on your payroll? Our minimum base is 500 hours. 500 hours. So if you do That's the math. Three months. Yeah, 90 days. And we base that on hours because if somebody is working part-time, mm-hmm. they may, after 90 days, they may have only worked 250 hours. So have you really had that true evaluation period? Or if somebody's working 60 hours a week, that period gets shrunk. And so have you had that full evaluation period of that individual at the same notion? So we base it off of straight-time hours. Mm-hmm. So it's it's your, in your 90-day period. Uh, so you can really evaluate is this person can <clears throat> excuse me is this person the right person for the position okay that's fair what uh, percentage do you think of your clients hire on this uh, you call it 100% guarantee well the risk free risk free risk free program and the risk free program if we remove cus- the customer service call center i w- i would say it's above 90% and if you include the call centers well, we we see a slight downturn. The call and centers tend to hire people directly. No, they they go through the risk free as well, but the percentage of individuals that get through the risk free, uh, it pulls my average down. Okay, because some people don't like the job once they get there, or the employer doesn't like them. It's usually an attendance factor. Attendance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well. 
But we want to stay positive in our message. Sure, sure. Well, you got to show up at work, right? That's right. That's right. And so on the positive messages, we do have customer service positions open and available. Uh, we have them in northern Kentucky, all the way up to Mason, and in Blue Ash as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the positive is that jobs are being created in the Cincinnati market. We, I was at a CEO roundtable kickoff meeting, and Cincinnati is actually leading top 15 cities in, in the United States of job creation. So there is job opportunities in the Cincinnati marketplace, and we are seeing that in our industry. Mm-hmm. You're not the first CEO to tell us that they're looking for employees. This seems to be a uh, at least a mild uptick in employment here in the Cincinnati marketplace. In fact, I was with another CEO yesterday who told me the same thing. He's looking for some good people. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a short commercial break here, and we'll be back with uh, Scott in a couple of minutes. Imagine you just left your prospect's office, and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real. He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Scott Simpson. Scott, what is your unique marketing advantage, or, or, or why do people buy from your your firm, Precision? Another great question, and certainly one that I'm used to answering now. What differentiates us? And one one thing that I've already mentioned is the positions that we fill across finance and accounting, legal, general, general administration. My recruiters that we hire in our office have worked in those positions before. A good example is our lead account manager went to school to get her her paralegal studies degree. So she's familiar with the legal industry and the legal terminology. When you look at other staffing organizations, they are what we call commercial staffing. They will fill any position that you have available, whether it's a warehouse job, 
light industrial, a staff accountant. So when you're sitting down with that recruiter on both sides, when they're recruiting an individual, you have an, uh, a warehouse person, mm-hmm. and then you have a paralegal, and then you have a staff accountant. Does that recruiter truly understand all the ins and outs of every single one of those jobs? Vice versa, when they're taking a job order from a company, do they really understand every element of what a staff accountant needs to bring to the table? Do they understand all the terminology for a paralegal or a legal secretary? Well, our staff, because that's the field that they play in all day long, mm-hmm. they have a better understanding from both sides. So when they're conducting interviews, they have a unique knowledge point of what that candidate is qualified for and can identify that in a better manner and can, I use the word vet, almost like a politician. Mm-hmm. And our vetting process uh, is really what pulls the best people to the table. So, one, our recruiters are more highly trained. Right. As well as we are selling a process to identify our candidates. Are you bringing the candidates into your office for a face-to-face interview before sending them out to the employer? Absolutely. Absolutely. We sit down with each and every individual. Now, we'll say that we are utilizing technology, that we are are implementing online applications. Mm Mm-hmm where a candidate can go to our website, fill out all their information, and then that will get ported over to us, and then we we do a drag-and-drop into another software that will download their information directly into our software so that when a candidate comes in, their information is already in our system, so we can just sit around directly with them and begin the interview as opposed to doing a lot of data entry mm-hmm. at the point of the interview. So this really picks up the speed of interviews and can get candidates through our doors more quickly. Also, we're looking at how to utilize Skype and to be able to do interviews through Skype so that they don't have to come into the office. So many Because we are finance and accounting, legal, higher-end positions. Sure. Uh, if you're to, trying to, attempting to fill a position for a $90,000 a year uh, legal assistant, I would hope that you're doing an interview face-to-face. <laughs> Absolutely. But my point is also... A $12 an hour telesales person for a call center uh, might not actually pay. Well, it's actually you mentioned that uh, because when you sit down face-to-face with somebody and you look them in the eye, you can see, is this person a stand-up person? Are you going to be reliable for me? And sometimes you want to look that $12 an hour guy in the eye and say, are you going to be reliable for me? Mm-hmm. And uh, But where I was going in utilizing Skype, if you're already currently employed, instead of having to take a day off or a half a day to come into our office, we can utilize that Skype and do a face-to-face interview through Skype and utilize technology to do our interviews and our screening so that we can bring the best possible candidates to our clients. So are you screening candidates outside of normal business hours? Uh, we do make ourselves available. We, we're we doing this 24-7. person who's unhappy with a job but not ready to quit, you can't interview them on Skype at 6 p.m.? Uh, we, we will make ourselves available for that, absolutely. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. From a 
a legal perspective, I don't know if you're allowed to do this, but are you allowed to uh, screen for drugs and alcohol for prospective employers? That is part of the service that we offer, uh, certainly, and it's part of our pre-employment screening. And so it's a post-offer uh, process that we... Post-offer po- means? Post-job offer. So once the job offer's been made, it's as long as you pass these pre-employment screening steps, then the offer will stand. Okay. So contingent upon... Is there a percentage of uh, candidates that you know about that, that fail those tests? Well, that's one of those legal areas. I probably couldn't answer that question, but we, do. we don't have much of an issue with that within the field that we operate in. Okay. Do you provide uh, staffing services for people who hire truck drivers? We do not. We do not. The, unfortunately, the liability and the insurance is behind that is quite expensive. Just to provide the truck drivers? Correct. Really? you got to remember, there are employees. So if they get in an accident of any kind, that's that's on us. So Unless you pass them off to the employer as the employee right away. Good point. Yes, if we were acting as a headhunter, mm-hmm. uh, we could operate that. But remember, what differentiates us is that my recruiters are coming from the fields that we operate in. So at this moment in time, that's not a field that... I would be recruiting. You don't have an ex-truck driver. No, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, it's a tough job to fill. One of the CEOs I was talking to uh, this week mentioned that he, his biggest problem with uh, truck drivers was they would take the job, work for a day or two, then not show up again. I've heard that before, <laughs> and in other industries as well. Once upon a time, it happened to me here. <laughs> And that does speak to this risk-free hire because someone can can come in an interview and can you come in to work for two weeks, four weeks, show up on time, be appropriate. Once you get comfortable in your surroundings and you get comfortable in the day-to-day operations, do you become become a different person? Mm -hmm. And so after that 90-day period, you get that full sense of an individual. Yeah, we talk, we talk about that in our, our sales management as interviewing Tom Cruise, hiring Tom Cruise, and on the first day of the job, you get Pee Wee Herman. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best interview that person could do. Uh, do you have separate salespeople now? Uh, we have a sales force. We are actively looking for additional outside sales reps. So if someone wants to contact you, how should they do that, Scott? Well, they'd be uh, welcome to go to our website, which is PrecisionStaffingUSA.com. That USA is intentional. We want to expand and looking for outside sales reps who are sales-minded, uh, growth-minded, mm-hmm. self-motivated, and anxious to um, to get out there and, and win some business. We call that drive and ambition. Yes, that's another two other good words I like to use. We actually test for that. <laughs> uh, and if they wanted to get a hold of you on a phone or email? 513-372-6020. My direct extension is 200. Uh, they can... Uh, that's just my initial, Scott Taylor Simpson, STS, at PrecisionStaffingUSA.com. Sounds like a model of a new supersonic fighter. <laughs> I wish I could advertise myself in that way. Well, I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do. That's right. Uh, 
we got a couple of minutes here in the segment before we have to take a break. Uh, what do you see as the opportunities and possibilities in the marketplace? You know, as I mentioned before, uh, Cincinnati is one of the top 15 in the United States of opportunities for new positions. We are hiring, so it's an exciting market. Uh, we are actually attracting new organizations uh, to the Cincinnati area, and so it's a great opportunity in the marketplace, and we had already mentioned the call center customer service area, but we're also seeing expansion and growth opportunities with different companies in the marketplace. So we're very excited about our future, um, and with specific opportunities, it's hard to really pin those down uh, without revealing too much information from a competitive standpoint. But just there's optimism in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. There's optimism in employment, and we're optimistic about our growth opportunities and our expansion capabilities. So I'm just curious. Do you actually do your own payroll, or do you have an outside service do that for you? We do our payroll in-house. And so if there are any payroll issues, there is no red tape to speak of uh, to get those solved. We'll take those in, ensure we get approval from our clients on any uh, payroll issues, and cut you a check and get make sure you get paid what you're due to get paid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you see any obstacles in the marketplace? Certainly, um, companies wanting to hold on to cash. Uh, They are tentative on the future, and that's probably our largest obstacles. They want to expand, they want to grow, but they also want to make sure they're holding on to cash. Um, There are some issues in D.C. that they're still trying to figure out how to handle. Uh, This health care issue is certainly going to, uh, be one that's going to be a challenge for all companies to manage from a cost standpoint, and which is ultimately going to roll into pricing, and where do they need to set the set their price for their their product uh, to cover the cost of healthcare? Good, Scott. We're going to take a short commercial break here, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. I'm Eddie Huff from Sandler Training, here to talk about rule number 18, don't paint seagulls in your prospect's picture. Have you ever jumped in with a great idea that killed your sale? Let me tell you a story, a story about Nancy. Nancy's a second grader in the public school system. She's just finished art class, and she's painted a pretty good picture. It's got a house and sun in it, but it's all over here on the left side. Nancy's art teacher comes by and says, oh, Nancy, that's a very nice picture. But, honey, you need something over here on the right side to balance it out. She picks up a paintbrush and paints a seagull over on the right side of the picture. Nancy's very upset. She goes home. That night at the dinner table, Nancy's very quiet. And she pulls out a picture, except it's all folded up into a small square. The dad unfolds it and says, Nancy, darling, that is a beautiful picture. Very well done. And I especially love the seagull. Well... Nancy bursts into tears, leaves the room. He finds out that the reason she's so upset is because she didn't like the seagull. You see, Nancy didn't put it there. A teacher did. The point is, your prospect has a picture of their needs before you show up for the sales interview. 
If you start painting seagulls into your prospect's picture, they're going to become just as uncomfortable as Nancy. Every time you make a change to their picture, it leads to mistrust. It leads to rejection of your products and your services. Look, if their picture needs adjusting, instead of telling them or painting a seagull on their picture, let's do it indirectly. Let's help the prospect discover it on their own. Rule number 18, don't paint seagulls in your prospect's picture. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Scott Simpson, talking about his company, Precision Staffing. Scott, is your company actively recruiting on the Internet right now? You implied you had a, uh, an automatic data capture form. Yeah, absolutely. We are actually even incorporating social media. We utilize Twitter. We utilize Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. All our accounts are tied together. Mm-hmm. So on Twitter, we're at Precision Jobs. Uh, Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Precision Staffing. Mm-hmm. And uh, LinkedIn, it's actually my page. So just identify Scott Simpson on LinkedIn and connect with me. And uh, we also use Constant Contact as an email marketing program. And so all our email marketing, I do tweet and put on LinkedIn. So we're utilizing social media from a recruiting resource and a marketing resource uh, and using the full power of the Internet. And we want to drive individuals to our website where they can use our online application tool. And also we want to advertise the positions that we have and utilize cost-effective means to recruit talent into our office. How many people are you connected with on, on Twitter? LinkedIn and the others? Uh, well, LinkedIn, 500-plus connections. Uh, from a Facebook-Twitter standpoint, I, I I wouldn't be able to tell you the numbers there, but uh, it, we're, we're very well connected. Scott, uh, tell us what your company is doing to touch 100% of the desirable opportunities via the Internet. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Outside of putting positions up on our our webpage and allowing applicants to come to our webpage. We're also utilizing social media. We are tweeting out, tweeting out positions, putting positions on LinkedIn, also searching through LinkedIn to identify candidates. We've got a Facebook page, and so we're using all these tools to bring in the uh, most qualified candidates that we can, encourage them to go to our website, encourage them to contact our office directly so that we can screen them into our office based on their qualifications. Okay. And uh, do you have fan pages on Facebook? Uh, We have a company page page. where it allows individuals to like us. And we are – this is something that we've just gotten going within the last four or five months. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to rope social media in as a strategy to – to recruit our talent in. Okay. Uh, Are you using uh, search engine optimization? We do. Uh, We have meta tags and meta keywords and meta descriptions set up. I have a blog on our webpage at precisionstaffingusa.com 
where we are putting out employment information, uh, unemployment numbers, and different labor law articles uh, for just value value added information and using those meta tags, meta keywords, meta descriptions to drive search engine optimization. Okay. How about keyword uh, buying keywords with Google uh, Pay Per Click? Are you doing that as well? No, uh, I have gotten the free Google uh, AdWords, mm -hmm. and I've done that for a short short term, and just not seeing the click throughs that I would want. So I haven't taken full advantage of that, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't work for certain organizations. Uh, where I'm targeting are companies that are going to hire anywhere from five to fifty contract labor, contingent labor individuals. So I'm looking for substantial companies in our marketplace. And a one-time click-through may not be what I'm looking for out of Google AdWords. Okay. So it may be the right strategy for other people. Okay. We have a, a theory of operation here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Uh, and if you want to solve a complex problem, you need to have a equally complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem you experienced over there at Precision and an equally complex solution that you have to apply to use it. Uh, and it's a solution from a, a theory of operation perspective that could be used by other CEOs. Certainly. Wow. Uh, I wish I had some time to think about this. But, um, Take your time. <laughs> well, I would say from a complexity standpoint, it's establishing relationships with your clients uh, from a strategic planning standpoint as opposed to a transactional-based relationship. And when I mean transactional-based, I mean being in a reactionary state. Uh, they call you, you react, there's a transaction that takes place, and then the sale is completed. Where we are going is to be more strategy-based. We had a client of ours they called us at 6 p.m. on a Thursday evening. They needed 20 call center reps for their start group on Saturday morning. We were able to provide 17 out of 20 individuals, uh, but that was very reactionary. Uh, the service we were able to provide was not at a level where our standards are set. If we are able to develop a relationship with them and strategically plan what the new client, who's the new client, what's the program coming in, and then we can put processes in place so that we can be prepared and work intimately with our clients to be able to provide a service. So we are no longer reactionary, but we're proactive in being able to provide solutions. So that's a that would be a complex problem mm -hmm. because clients can't always predict what's coming coming at them. And being complex solutions of being able to avoid reacting when your client doesn't know and being able to provide strategic planning and solutions so that you're working together as a team to be able to be proactive in the processes that you're putting out and providing this the service level that your clients do expect. That's good. That's good. In your business, uh, there are a lot of recruiting agencies in, in our marketplace. Lots of times uh, employees move from 
uh, one company to another. Uh, do you have non-compete agreements in your business? Only with my employees. Uh, if if you're on a contract position, and that's part of the risk of being in our business. If you're on a contract and you have another opportunity that is more beneficial to yourself, uh, now with my core employees, I do have a non-compete in place mm-hmm. uh, because of the sensitive information that they're dealing with, with bill rates, salary rates, client information. Uh, I cannot afford to have them walk out the door with my clients and my bill rates and that sensitive information with them. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had problems relative to that? No, no issues. Mm-hmm. We actually, our industry is known for turnover within the internal staff, mm-hmm. uh, but we actually have very little turnover. Uh, we are, we've only had really just two people turn over in our office in a five-year history. So I've been very fortunate to have an outstanding staff, and we utilize our same screening process for ourselves as we do for our clients. And we know how important every hire is to every employer out there, and it's an investment you are making in that employee mm-hmm. and an investment in your company. And so we want to make sure that we're providing you the value in that investment uh, moving forward. Have you ever calculated what the cost of a bad hire is? It's typically about 1.5% or 1.5 times the cost of that employee. You have loss of production. You've got the recruiting efforts that you got to double down on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got management time for mm-hmm. interviews. You've got uh, uh, training. So now you've doubled down on your recruiting efforts. You've doubled down on training. You've got productivity loss. So all that typically adds up to, in general, plus or minus 1.5 times the cost of the original employee. Uh, and I'd say that's probably fair for uh, most job categories. In our management program last month, we we did a calculation of what the managers who were present thought the cost of turnover was for a single salesperson who was in the uh, $50,000 to $100,000 salary plus commission uh, range. Can you guess what, what they came up with as a cost of turnover? Are we doing a multiple or a dollar amount? Dollar amount. I would guess maybe seventy-five thousand. Up. Oh. oh, we're keep going. Are we plus a hundred? Oh, we're still going. I feel like I should have a hammer and uh, one of those slides where I throw down a hammer and see how high I can go. That's about what happened. Uh, the low side of the estimate was a half a million dollars in losses for hiring the wrong salesperson. The high side was seven hundred fifty. Wow, that's incredible. So those those hires you're making are incredibly important. Make sure you get it right the first time around. You may, as a manager or an owner, you may not get a second shot if you make a mistake. Absolutely. Now, would you say that five hundred seven fifty is that due to loss of productivity, or is that a lot of that came from the different differential between what sending a superstar pro out to a new account to close the business and sending out someone who is inadequate. So not only the lack of productivity of the individual, then the downtime between that hire and the new hire 
but then you're adding in, well, if we had a superstar in place. If we had an eight player out there who could close business, who knew my business, who knew how to close for my business to bring in desirable opportunities, that guy would bring in uh, at least half a million dollars more than bringing in uh, a B player who needed to be trained for six months before he became a, a B-plus player or an A player. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. I like that number, though. Do you mind if I take that with me? Take, please take it with you. Uh, and you can be a guest at our next uh, sales management uh, program on my ticket. Absolutely. We're going to take a, a short commercial break here, and we're going to listen to uh, Tom Manning talk about his uh, marketing and sales program. This is Mike Roth with Tom Manning. We're talking about your marketing and sales boot camp that you're going to be running in April and May. And the name of the program is? It's called Engage 2013. Engage 2013. And you're going to be running it in Columbus and in Cincinnati. Correct. It's going to be Tuesday mornings for six weeks in Columbus and Wednesday mornings for six weeks in Cincinnati. Okay. And if a company sends their CEO, the CEO comes and he's bringing a chief marketing officer, what would they be getting by attending your program? Well, the first thing we try to do is we try to get the company to develop a story. Figure out what their key messages are, what the value proposition is, and come up with their company's story. From that, we can actually look at all your marketing materials to be sure they're telling the same story. All your marketing and sales materials. So does your website match your brochures, match your email campaign, and all of your branding? Does it tell the same message? Okay. Does it really have to match? It really does, because what it does is it creates a consistency in the eyes of the end customer or the end user of your products and services. If you Are you talking about user or prospect here? Well, it depends what your industry is. If you're B2C, it's going to be your customers, mm -hmm. and it's going to be what your customer sees with your company. Right. If you have different messages, you're actually causing customer confusion. If you're B2B, it's going to be you and other businesses, and you're going to be trying to capture market share. And so are you consistent as to what your message is and how you define yourself in the marketplace? Mm -hmm. And why should someone attend? So what we'll do is we're going to, over the course of six weeks, we're going to help you um, define your, your key messages and your company's story. And then from that, we're going to help you develop a marketing strategy and a sales strategy and perhaps a social media strategy that helps coordinate all of that. So people will be consistent at the end. Correct. We're going to actually look at everything from your logo and your corporate identity. Does it match that key messages? Your website, are the messages on your website consistent? Your brochure, your sales presentations, your PowerPoint presentations, your proposal system, your email campaign, your trade show. And naturally, your selling system. And, of course, your selling system as well. Tom, if someone is interested in finding out more, either speaking to you or speaking to you personally, how should they do that? There's two ways. One, you could go to marketleaders.us. Um, that's the website for Engage 2013. You can learn all about the sessions there and the speakers and the time frame and, and uh, registration. Or you can call me directly if you have any questions that aren't answered there, and you can reach me at 614-622-1047. Thanks, Tom. In future weeks, we'll be hearing more from Tom about the Engage Marketing and Sales 2013. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Scott Simpson from Precision Staffing. And in, in the last segment of the show, uh, Scott, I like to ask our uh, CEO leaders of companies 
which you certainly are, and you've had your company for at least five years, if you could give our listeners a leadership tip or two. Leadership tip or two. I would say a good leadership tip. I uh, I know a gentleman. He now uh, resides in Florida, and he has a great story. But short of it all, he's founded his own insurance firm and sold it off for quite a quite a nice little piece. And I asked him the same question. Mm-hmm. And what he responded to me is, "Be the hardest worker in your company." And don't ask somebody else to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And I'd say that's a great leadership tool, that if individuals are looking at you in a tower, mm-hmm. uh, then you're probably not demonstrating the leadership uh, that needs to be extended within your organization. So if you're not willing to roll up the sleeves and go to work in your own company, how can you ask other people to do the same? That's a, a great observation. Uh, I remember when uh, George Schaefer was the uh, president and CEO of Fifth Third Bank, it it wasn't unusual for him to go out on sales calls with his team Mm -hmm. or actually do walk-in cold calls. I know that that well. I'm still doing that today, even in my own organization after five years. uh, Actually, leaving here, I have a list of companies in this area. Uh, that I will be dropping off on uh, to see on the way back to the, our office in Blue Ash. That's a good idea. Um, and I teach a cold call camp, and you know, every week I'll make at least forty dials. And last week you had mentioned to me you had a pretty strong success rate. Am I right? Oh, well in excess of 50% of the of the people that I dial, I get on the phone. Sometimes it's as high as 70%. Now, from an industry standard, well, I don't know, uh, but if you're just making cold calls, right? if you catch 25% of individuals on the phone, you're doing pretty well. So 50% to 70% is outstanding. Is that, is that yeah. right? And the only way you can do that is getting other people to call you back because people are busy today. They're in. They, they really are in meetings. Uh, sometimes, you ever been in a meeting, Scott, that you didn't want to be in? On occasion. Yeah. In the Fortune 1000 world, I always was in meetings I didn't want to be in. Uh, one time we had a, a PEO, a professional employer organization that was managing my employees officially, and they sent me a, a memo that as part of the PEO, I had to participate in a safety talk. And they were talking about the safe operation of forklift trucks and how your employees should not, during lunch, do jousting with the forklift trucks. Now, I thought this was a total waste of my time. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And and luckily, uh, one of the administrative ladies walked in put a note in my hand and said, one of my clients wanted to talk to me. My secretary had given the number where I was. So I got up, waved the note, walked out of the room, took the call on on my cell phone. I'm sure you extended a thank you for the call. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, But there are a lot of meetings people are in that they can't wait uh, to get out of. and there are a lot of people I talk to that say, I, I was just in a meeting with someone else, but what did you want, Mike? 
and we spend two minutes on the phone. Uh, and, and, and perhaps the real trick is to get way more than 50% of the people you leave voicemail messages for to return your call. And we teach our clients how to do it. I use it myself. It, I'm just amazed how uh, remarkably high the, the callback ratio is. Well, in our business, well, in our industry, I should say, it's typical that when we're doing our cold calling efforts, that we're taking a candidate that we want to represent and write up a glowing profile. Well, every other staffing agency in the city is doing the same activity. So we've actually changed changed our tune that we're calling on what is our process along with the value added. Uh, so a good example is we partner with a labor law employment firm, and they are conducting a free webinar on investigations in the workplace. So we send out an email blast to contact these organizations, and then my staff is able to make a soft sales call to invite them to the webinar. So we're providing a value add, and then they have some key of a process that we are implementing, whether it be X number of steps through our recruiting process or our vetting process that enable us to, to deliver a better candidate. Uh, what do you mean by investigations in the workplace? I'm curious. So if there is a workers' comp case or um, a sexual harassment, what are the legal appropriate steps to take when you're doing an investigation in the workplace? So mm-hmm. whether it's an injury or harassment or disciplinary steps, what is the appropriate legal steps that you need to make? Uh, yeah, that could be serious business. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't want to get yourself caught making inappropriate steps because if that goes to court and you've got a sharp prosecuting attorney, they will, they will uncover those steps and mm-hmm. you'll be fully liable, uh, much, much, much more liable than if you had conducted the uh, the investigation to the extent of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, when an employer hires one of your people who's on your payroll working on their premises, uh, how does that work from an employment law perspective? From an employment law's perspective, they are our employee. So they are W-2 through us. So there is a veil that is put down. Now, there is some co-employment entangling that takes place, but the brunt of the liability will fall on precision staffing, and there will be an investigation of how much of the day-to-day supervision uh, came from on-client site, but from a technical and legal standpoint, they are our employee. Okay, and the on-site supervision is provided by the your client? Correct, by our client supervisors. And that is something that we do make sure we write into our contracts that when they sign those, they understand that the supervision is coming from themselves. We're not there to supervise from a day-to-day standpoint. Mm -hmm. How long is your contract in pages? Uh, About two. That's good and simple. I I, uh, just employed a new vendor here for our Internet connection, and... The first contract they sent me over was like 22 pages long for an internet connection. Guess what happened? I'm guessing that you didn't read it or sign it. Right. And they reduced it to about four pages. 
I could make the deal. <laughs> I'm not in the business of reading contracts. Um, what are uh, your plans yourself for adding salespeople this year? Well, as we mentioned earlier, I am actively hiring, and they can contact me at sts.precisionstaffingusa.com. Just attach your resume and forward it in. Uh, but would like to add at least uh, one, if not two, sales individuals. We are going to be looking at opening a new office within the next 12 to 18 months uh, in the northern Kentucky area. And so we'll be looking for staff, uh, a branch manager who would be responsible for staffing that office, as well as uh, generating new sales. So need a unique individual who can handle inside operations as well as being outside in sales. Mm-hmm. Do I have to have experience in your industry? It would be preferred, uh, but not mandatory. Certainly the learning curve would uh, be much shorter if they did have industry experience. But we're very excited. We have an Inc. 500 background, and we want to continue to pursue on that Inc. 500 fastest-growing companies philosophy and look to see what we can do in the Cincinnati marketplace and then look beyond Cincinnati. What do you mean by Inc. 500 uh, philosophy? Well, being growth-oriented, growth-minded. We set what we call wildly important goals or WIGs, and those goals are based on growth numbers. So when each person in our staff sits down every day, their priority list is set. Are, are my activities on my list geared towards our overall company goal? And so that they can prioritize their time appropriately, is this activity going to work us toward our company goal? And so Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in America when I say Inc. 500, that's what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. And we want to maintain that mindset of growth, uh, growth-oriented, growth-minded organization. That's good. Uh, you're listed on the Inc. Uh, 500 growth-oriented companies right now? We were in 2005 and 2006. Precision Staffing Incorporated was. Okay. And outside of the Cincinnati marketplace, where do you... What direction do you see yourself uh, expanding into? Well, we look, we're looking to Indianapolis and then to Columbus uh, would be after northern Kentucky, which I would still consider greater Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's more on a three- to five-year plan. Uh, would have to see what the success of those offices bring, uh, but certainly want to put a punch of the Precision Staffing USA component and continue growing out from there. Uh, but I would say Northern Kentucky is next, Indianapolis, then Columbus. Good choices, good choices. Uh, Scott, I want to thank you for being on the show today. And uh, as a token of our appreciation for being on the show, I'm going to give you a copy of uh, David Sandler's first book, You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. You haven't read that yet, have you? I have not, but I would look forward to uh, going through it, and hopefully I can use it in hiring of a new salesperson. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a great book. Uh, I was among the, uh, the few people who insisted that David write the book back in 
I guess it was 95. And uh, I think it's in its fifth printing now. Well, outstanding. I'm sure he's glad you insisted. Well, he's long gone, but it's uh, it's turned out to be a highly successful uh, book. And uh, again, thanks for being with us. Scott, why don't you take it away? Well, Mike, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Mike has a lot of great insights, and I'm sure you've uh, learn that over the time of the show, and we look forward to Mike's success and the continued growth of Precision Staffing, and just appreciate the time to be on the show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9402.